0: Welcome everybody to The Bird Show. I am joined today by avian co-host Chipmunk, the Americana chicken. Most Americana chickens are actually brown. They're known for laying green eggs. She happens to be a Wheaten Americana chicken, and that's why she has the lighter feathers. Also joining guest member of the flock today, we have Lauren Bailey coming all the way from the UK. Lauren is not only a board member for the Carrillo Centre for Nonviolence and a dear friend, but she is also the hostess of another podcast here on the Carrillo's Podcast Network and that is called Being Sanctuary. It's very good. I suggest you check it out and I'll leave a link in today's episode notes. So thank you so much for being here today, Lauren.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) So today, you were
0: the one who inspired our topic because you said that in all the bird kingdom, of all the birds that you could choose from that you have the greatest affinity for, you wanted to talk turkey today. So in honor of your love of turkeys, today we're going to be talking about wild turkeys. Spring is actually wild turkey mating season, so uh, before we really get into it, let's just do a little bit of overview about turkeys. Wild turkeys, there's tons of them in North America.
1: Lauren, do you have wild turkeys in the UK? Um, not that I know of. I mean, I think I might be sounding real silly with this, but I've never seen a wild turkey in the UK. We have things like grouses and pheasants, but I've never seen a wild turkey in the UK. There's actually
0: two different species of turkeys. So there's the wild turkey of North America, which is actually considered to be the same species as domesticated turkeys, first domesticated by the Mayans around 800 BC. And then there's also the oscillated turkey of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. They're also found in Northern Belize and Guatemala. And the oscillated turkey, if you've never seen one, I encourage you to look it up. They have this most beautiful, it's almost like iridescent feathers all kinds of colors. And the males, I don't know if you know this about turkeys, but they do a display with their tail feathers, kind of like peacocks will do. And they'll actually fan them out and do like this whole intricate display. Um, With those oscillated turkeys, it's amazing. It is on par with peacocks. (laughs) Lost the word for a minute. And, And we have tons of wild turkeys. And as you know, domesticated turkeys throughout the world including the UK, but the oscillated turkey is a lot more rare. As recently as 2002, it was considered endangered, and it actually has a blue head too, which is kind of interesting. Although the wattle that they have on the males is still red on the oscillated turkey. That distinctive wattle, it'll actually get bigger. The turkey is excited, like during springtime, like this time of year, and it's also called a snood. So one of the sad things that they do to domesticated turkeys, which is why it might be nice to be a wild turkey instead, Is they cut off the snoods on the males so that they don't peck at each other when they're confined. There was a study that showed that female turkeys, which are called hens and the males are called toms or gobblers, they prefer the larger size snood. Kind of a bummer if you're a domesticated turkey and they kind (laughs) of took away your uh, your way to get the ladies. Interestingly domesticated turkeys are now so big that they can't even really
1: mate naturally most of the time. So a lot of them are actually having health issues such as arthritis because of the added weight that we're putting into them, so like hormones, which can jeopardize their walking and also their mating as well. And it's just terrible that they grow to such a size that's so unnatural for them, yet we're doing that to you know increase their weight for our benefit,
0: really. I think that's a really good point. So not only does it interfere with their loving, but it also can take a really big toll on their bodies themselves, including their cardiovascular systems. Chipmunk is not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell why she was named Chipmunk. I mean, look at these cheeks right here. I love She's looking in the camera. You're a star now, chipmunk. She's actually uh, a little little older as chickens go. She's almost five, so. One last tidbit before we move on to our next segment is about Benjamin Franklin. The wild turkey is so prevalent in North America. Benjamin Franklin, when the Founding Fathers were first trying to decide on a national bird, suggested that the wild turkey would make a much more appropriate choice than the bald eagle, which was uh, limited to only certain ranges. If Benjamin Franklin had his way, wild turkeys would be the bird of the united states it's kind of tough break for them though that eagles won out in the end because i can only imagine a turkey on our quarter holding you know the arrows and the snake and the other talon um pretty majestic let's move on to the flocking news This week's flocking news article is called Spring Turkey Preview, Experts Predicting Banner Season and Bumper Hatch in Rio Country. So this is out of the Athens Daily Review in Athens, Texas. And this was published just a few days ago on March 16th. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this time of year is a big time for turkey hunters. Now I have my own opinions about turkey hunting. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that at the end of the show. But they did have a couple really cool observations in this article that I think are worth mentioning. The article says, when spring gets in the air, tom turkeys get in the mood for love. Texas turkey hunters take to the woods hoping to spoil the romance with dirty tricks meant to throw a mature gobbler into a breeding rage that results in a fatal mistake. Male turkeys, called gobblers, engage in boisterous gobbling to attract hen turkeys that are receptive to breeding and to discourage other gobblers from moving in on their turf. Gobbling is often followed by other pompous displays of self-importance like strutting, spitting, and drumming. Spring turkey hunters attempt to exploit the sexual urge. They use assorted calls to make seductive yelps, curs, and other sounds to simulate the language of other turkeys. The reason I chose this Flocking News article, not only is it timely, because um, it is going to be hunting season here across the United States, not only in Texas, but in other states as well, I thought it was a really interesting mental image to think of all these hunter guys crouched in bushes trying to sound like sexy female turkeys. (laughs) It really (laughs) kind of uh, evoked quite an image in my imagination that was not only comical, but also... All right, let's put it this way. From an ecological point of view, what you're basically doing is taking the most proactive dudes with the hottest bods, and basically shooting them so that now the rest of like the female turkeys only have the guys without initiative left over that aren't strutting and gobbling as overtly. I don't know. The whole scene is like tragically funny, I guess. There's all these hunters out there trying to act like they're these sexy lady turkeys. And meanwhile, the actual sexy lady turkeys are being perpetually disappointed by the lack of robust males. What do you think, Lauren?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you. It's quite a comical sort of image. And it kind of goes against the evolution, ecological values of intrasexual selection. And it almost takes away that female choice. It takes away the male choice because the males are no longer there. And I think, in a way, it is messing with the genetics of the wild turkeys even though they are wild. So we're not um, necessarily interfering Um, in a way we would with domesticated turkeys, but we are still having that control. But you have highlighted a good point that, you know, why are we going to such efforts to do that? Um, Why are the hunters doing that? It just seems a little bit... <laughs> it's crazy, a little
0: bit silly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you think of this whole like machismo thing, right, with hunting, and then meanwhile you, they don their prettiest <laughs> turkey yeah. hen costume. But you do make a really good point that basically humans are acting as selection pressures. So mm-hmm. over time, especially if we do this year after year, every single spring with wild turkey populations, it's kind of no wonder that there are more aggressive flocks of turkeys. I've seen viral videos of them chasing mailmen and stuff like that. Maybe this is another ramification because just trying to come in and talk sweet to some nice turkey hen that you'll get shot. So I don't know. We may also be inadvertently encouraging sort of a more aggressive bachelor flock type situation, especially for those that end up figuring out what's happening and swear off ladies all together.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> and I think as well, like, I mean, sort of related to that, I saw um, a video on YouTube, a cougar was approaching somebody's house um, and the people were like, oh my gosh, like it's coming for us. This cougar wasn't acting aggressive in any way. Mm-hmm. But what sort of like highlighted to me was a lot of hunters will use the excuse of, we're balancing out the population mm-hmm. we're doing this for you know environmental reasons but we're diminishing predators food sources and then we're angry at the fact that the predators don't have any food and they're coming to us and seeking you know they're hungry mm-hmm. but it's because we're we're interfering so much with the prey population And that in turn is making predator populations come towards more human settlements and and we're getting angry over that. But we're the ones to blame for that. They're hungry. They're looking for food and we've we've taken their food.
0: It's a cascade effect, basically. You make a really good point about unintended consequences. Yeah, I kind of think maybe we could just leave the turkeys alone in the spring and and see what happens. You know, nature has a way of sort of self-correcting. Like if there are too many wild turkeys in the population, they will run out of food themselves and that'll have its own effect uh, overall on their population the next year. So we don't necessarily have to speed up, even if it is inevitable, which is arguable, Mm -hmm. by blasting them. You make a really good point about uh, the cascading effects. Now she's really Mm -hmm. falling asleep. My co-host oh. is falling asleep. Come on now. we got to get to our next segment. Chipmunk. <laughs> Wake up, Chipmunk. That must mean it's time for Bird Tales. Bird Tales. Chipmunk's favorite part is Bird Tales. <laughs> yeah. She's her favorite part. So for bird tales, Lauren, I was hoping today that you would share a little bit about your experience with turkeys. They may not necessarily be wild turkeys, but it gives us an insight into the personalities of different turkeys.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, two main stories that kind of jump out to me, one with domesticated turkeys and the other with wild turkeys. So first of all, three years ago, I volunteered at a farm sanctuary here in the UK and i you know i have a love for all animals i really do but turkeys had never been i'd never really seen a turkey now that sounds ridiculous but um never spent time with one so when i walked into this farm sanctuary i was greeted straight away by this huge white female turkey and uh, she came kind of bounding over and she was called matilda and um I kind of crouched down, Matilda came over, and I just kind of held my hands out like this, like this, (laughs) and and she just like lay her head like on my arm, and I just felt this need to like sort of cuddle her, and um, she made this almost like purring sound, like almost exactly like a cat would, and I remember being brought to tears over this moment, I'd only just walked into this farm sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And she was so happy to like see people. She was so, it's almost like she could sense that the people there were there to help the Mm -hmm. animals. And I remember thinking, wow, what a first positive response to this time of being here. The more the sort of like days went on, I asked a bit about Matilda's backstory and they said that she was advertised online for meat and a young girl had had seen this and had purchased her but didn't have anywhere to put her. It was kind of like, I want to rescue this turkey, but I don't know what to do. So then she reached out to the sanctuary and they said that they would have her. Mm -hmm. Um, So she, she went there and... The majority of her feathers were missing because Aww. she'd had such a stressful time. Like where she was, her life—I can't even begin to imagine how she was treated. And it just like the thing that really got to me was the fact that she'd gone through all of that. She shouldn't really have trusted any human, mm-hmm. like from what she'd been through. I mean, the human that was in her initial care was going to sell her for her her meat, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yet she still trusted people like she didn't know who I was I walked in there as a stranger and it was as if we were like long lost friends mm-hmm. again like the recognition you know like I'd, I'd go there on my own in the car get there and, and I was really nervous about being there because I'd never been to this place mm-hmm. before and she really put my mind at ease she made me feel so much better about myself
0: Well, she probably thought you were another turkey. I mean, you have your beautiful, light, you know, blonde hair, and she was a big (laughs) white female turkey. She probably thought, my sister!
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a fellow turkey! (laughs) My long-lost sister is finally here. (laughs) That's a good point, actually. That's probably what she thought. (laughs) (laughs) But we would, like, I mean, I would, like, clean the rabbit enclosures, things like that, put, like, sawdust, and then she'd come over to me, and she'd fall asleep, Like on my on my my lap, and and again with the purring sounds, and and I just thought she had her own personality. She Mm. recognised people, and you could tell the more more days that I would go there, that she recognised who I was, Mm. and she she did that with everyone that you know built a relationship with her. Mm. She would go up to them and she'd look at them like this, and and then she she'd think, oh, you've been kind to me. She just. I don't know it may be silly to say, but I feel like she is the definition of what all people should be like. Mm-hmm. Kind and trusting and, mm-hmm. and it was it was something that'll always stick with me. I mean I've got pictures of her uh, now and it was like a really happy, happy memory for me. Um in two thousand and eighteen we uh visited America and I was in Oregon lucky enough to be there and my first time seeing wild turkeys, they were everywhere on the land and the way that they would graze and they would forage in the soil Mm -hmm. and again they had their own personalities you Mm -hmm. could tell each one was different and again the more time i was there the more i'd be like oh that's that one and that's that one because that one acts that way and they acted so differently yet they still had that personality one thing is that they looked completely different Mm -hmm. to what i've been used to seeing as a turkey so mm-hmm. being in the uk i've been used to seeing you know big bodied turkeys mostly female and they they're white the white feathers whereas these turkeys were smaller they had like brown slash like black feathers and they just look completely different and it was kind of shocking to me to think wow, this is actually what they're meant to look like. Yeah. They're so, so different, so different. And Athletic
0: enough to actually roost in trees at night, you know, what a concept, mm-hmm. you know, that they could actually get off the ground to be able to roost in trees.
1: Oh, definitely. And and they would, like, we were lucky enough to see them roost in the, in the trees. And, like, my boyfriend was saying, like, wow, how do they get up there? And I was like, it's just what they do. Like, we're just not used to seeing that. <laughs> teleport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like time travel. Like <laughs> yeah. <Pick> the elevator <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but they would um like the sounds that they'd make and there's just something about them such a calm and calm nature to them. It was like profound as well the how good of mothers the females were. They took care of their young. So mm. the little ones were around them and they really cared about them. They helped them forage, like teaching them. This also made me research about lifespan because I was really intrigued about this. And apparently wild turkeys the young will stay with their mothers until five months old. Then their lifespan can reach to about 10 years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, the factors come in with that, like illness, hunting, things like that. But one thing that really shocked me was the fact that apparently for their meat, they're slaughtered at the age of five months. No, And that made me sad thinking, well, that's a baby. Mm -hmm. Like that's only just when they've been weaned from their mothers, when they would finally get that freedom to be in the wild. Yet in the meat industry, that's when their life is completely cut short. But I think like, I mean, both these experiences have made me realize the characteristics of a turkey, both wild and domesticated, how we just need to appreciate that they're not just, you know, things that don't have feelings. They have feelings and they they want to be loved and they want to share that love. Oh yeah,
0: monk's feeling like she's heavy breathing in my ear right now. She hasn't said much, so if you're listening on the podcast, um, it's almost like I don't have a co-host. I encourage you to watch on the YouTube series, because she's getting some good petting time in right now. She's in chicken heaven. She looks how I aim to feel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's doing fine. She says, uh, yeah, chickens have personalities, too. We're not just nuggets, man. Some of us want some loving. Some don't, you know. They have personalities, too, and I imagine turkeys are like that as well. I've only really known two turkeys in my life when I was a kid, and it's pretty telling because I ended up naming them Charity and Greedy. One was much nicer than the other, obviously, but uh, an interesting story about them. Luckily, my parents, even back then when we ate meat and stuff, my parents weren't going to try to like feed us our own you know, animals or anything like that. I'm thankful for that because I would have been traumatizing. But um, they didn't really know what to do with Greedy and Charity once they became full-size. And it was one male and one female, so then we could potentially have, you know, an ongoing turkey issue. Uh, They ended up gifting the turkeys to a rich restaurateur who was in the Bay Area, I think for his wedding gift. Don't worry, though, because the turkeys kind of had the last word. Because the guy, before he slaughtered them, renamed them after my stepdad and my mom. Careful if you gift it, they might rename it after you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The voodoo doll.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing your bird stories. So let's wrap it up today with a bird of advice. A bird of advice. So today, my bird of advice circles back around to turkey hunting season. So this year, if you are a turkey hunter, I'm not going to judge you. I do believe to each their own. But maybe think of more peaceful ways to interact with wild turkeys. For example, wildlife photography. I've heard quite a few wildlife photographers. Some of them actually started out as hunters and then got into wildlife photography because they actually found it was more of a challenge. So I found this book called Think Like an Eagle by Catherine Lasky. It's about Eagleman Jack Swedberg. He passed away a couple years ago, but before that in Massachusetts, he was a very well-known wildlife photographer. And he was one such individual who had started out as a hunter. And he was actually quoted in the book as saying, with hunting, you either hit it or miss it, but photography is much more challenging. He described how he would have to go undetected by the turkeys in a much longer period uh, than he would as a hunter. As a hunter, he would have to be quiet and blend in, but then suddenly the quiet was shattered and pierced the boom of the gun and all the rest of the forest sort of reverberated with that. And he really felt less attuned with what was going on around him and with his actual subjects, the wild turkeys, as compared to how he did when he was doing photography. So when it came to photography, not only did he have to get um, an intimate distance as a hunter does... But he had to wait for the right light, he had to wait for the right angle, other individuals in the flock to make themselves known to complete the shot. Yeah, if we're gonna go shooting wild turkeys, I propose that we shoot them with cameras. I believe in live and let live. If turkey hunting is your kind of thing, I'm not gonna stop you from doing it, but I believe in live and let live. So uh, yeah, I think we should kinda uh, have hobbies that don't necessarily end in the deaths of our wild turkey friends, and I think, since she's waking up from her nap, Chipmunk might agree with me. That wraps it up for today's Bird Show. Thank you so much, Lauren Bailey, for coming all the way from the UK. I really appreciate you uh, being here. No, thank you, and thank you to Chipmunk as well. hanging out with all my blonde friends today. <laughs> and thank you so much for sharing about Matilda and the other turkeys that you've known. So, uh, thanks everyone, and we'll see you next week for another flocking good time. Turns on the radio. Doctor
1: Crows bird show.